0: Hello, you're listening to Josh Talks. Today, I'm here with Leo Brown. Leo's had a great career so far, playing for the Crus, playing for Northern Ireland, and Birmingham. So, Leo, how are you today?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Getting not getting on there like it's a uh, tough for everyone. But yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, thanks.
0: So, how are you finding living in the pandemic
1: right now? Uh it's tough. Like, I haven't really played much football. Like, only football players by myself, so it's hard not having, like, such a big part of your life, like, for so long, you know? Um, but I'm busy. I can see all my computer stuff on the desk mm-hmm. behind me. So I'm building those of computers and um, working. I'm pretty much working every day still. So I have it better than some people. Yeah.
0: This well, is probably completely off-topic, but see, as far as computer building and all that going, how are you finding getting parts of the market? Because that is something that I know myself really struggling with. Uh, so,
1: like we like spoke to the manufacturers and then you know it's like oh we're we ready for february but ready for here ready for then. and like i haven't made, i haven't been able to sell anything to anyone because um i have like six or seven back orders mm-hmm. but i can get everything but like the graphics card because everyone's yeah. just like, st- it's so bad they're called um scalpers mm-hmm. so whenever the new ones came out in, like october uh, everyone like bought all of them and then like doubled the price but they didn't just stop there. They bought like they bought even the worst graphics cards, mm-hmm. ones that are like worth like seventy, eighty quid, and now they've doubled the price to it like, two hundred pounds. And it's like, it's just ridiculous. You just can't get anything. So I, I have no idea. Um, I, we have nothing that we can't do anything. You know, there's nothing that we can do about it. So, it's it's probably really tough for all people, people who are looking like a decent computer, and people who are trying to sell them. Do you know what
0: mm-hmm. See, that's how I was looking at. I was trying to get myself a 3070. Nightmare. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't oh, even get one there by a thousand pounds. You can't even get a 1660.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're looking at
0: 370. Yeah. So we're trying to get those. But I'll start it in. How did you first start playing football then?
1: So, um, I mean, I've always like been kicking a ball like since I was a kid. Uh, I used to just kick the ball around the back garden. And then it was when I was like four. I remember I went with my cousin to uh, the local team. They were called Hollywood Boys at the time, but they're known as Eddie Irvine's now, Eddie Irvine's FC, like three boys club. And uh, I was obviously still like really young they didn't have any in my age group size. So boys played with like the big one, like the six, seven-year-olds. They're always two or three years older than me. So that was my first started playing. Um, Yeah, I was at Eddie Irvine's for like four years, so and that's my left appreciation when I was eight and that's when I'd say like when I was eight was when I really started like playing football do you know what I mean yeah when I was when I was younger I wasn't really good Um I was all right I I started to get good when I was about eight or so but I was playing like everywhere I was goalkeeper I was left back I was center back like they didn't I was playing they put me in their B team and I was scoring like Three goals a game from left back or something. Do you know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. uh, they didn't really me at me, uh, other Eddie Irvine. So and as we chopster as well when I was a kid, so I couldn't really, uh, I not really last too long on the uh, when I was eleven to side.
0: high Some transition from goalkeeper to striker.
1: Yeah, honestly, I went, So I started off left back, and then I played centre back for my primary school, and I played like the all time goalkeeper for. Um, eddies like it wasn't oh, I'll play a, little, a little bit eddies there went to crusaders when i was eight and i started playing like left wing and then because i was just so much bigger than everyone in my age like taller and faster they put me in center mid so whenever the goalkeeper did the goal kicks i could just head out straight back to our strikers i played center mid for like a season or so and then and that's when i and then after that i moved into striker uh, so I didn't move into striker until I was about I got eleven or twelve I think it was when I really started playing striker I was always like center mid just just so I could like head the ball back to the because mm-hmm. like no like if I was in the if I was in the middle of the park like because everyone over here was so much smaller at, at like 10, 11. and I had I had pretty much had like my full growth spurts I haven't really grown much since I was like fourteen mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, I had a, I just used to head it straight back to our strikers. It was pretty much a goal every time. We <laughs> had a goal kick. Yeah, Crusaders are normally
0: known for always having a really good youth setup. Like it's, it's always very, very competitive down there. You get
1: a lot of yeah. good players in. Yeah, we have. I mean Ethan Ethan Gilbraith played for us. Uh for the youth setup. We had we had, we had, we had a few really good players. We had a, a lot like Tom Ateson, uh Adam McAlinen Cole they all eventually came mate Zidane our our team when we were younger especially was really good we had a really strong team but like that that year in particular our age group in particular was like really competitive you know we had Mm -hmm. um I think like 12 of us went over to England Uh, it was it was a really that was a really good year um like for like players so So, like every every match was like seriously like hard so when you said about going over to England, what was
0: that for? Was that for, like, trials or...?
1: No, 12, I, 12 of us actually signed for England. I, I, I think it was me, Josh, Mark, McKenna, Ollie Weber. I'll tell you, what, so me me, and Caelan Boyd went to the Birmingham. Ollie, and Mark McKenna went to Chesterfield. No, uh, Josh Tipping and Mark McKenna went to Chesterfield. Oli Weber went to Crystal Palace. Um... He also went over Keith went over to Rod Steele. Uh, Luke Ferguson, Sheffield Wednesday. He else went over there's a few more. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, there's a few more of us. Uh yeah. I'm pretty sure it's just Kaelin and Ollie Weber still there still now. Yeah. Oh, a lot of them came back after like yeah. Oh, Rhys Uh He went. He was at Liverpool when he was younger, and then he went to um, Rotherham. But he's uh, he's just he's it wasn't enjoying it. So he's a fitness. He's a personal trainer now, and he's great. You know, mm. he's doing really well for himself. You know, so um, there was a good few. I think there was a couple more went to England. We had a really strong team that year.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and. Um, yeah, and I think it's just Kayla and Ollie know I left over there.
0: So we'll talk about
1: your move to Birmingham, but
0: first I'll we'll talk to you about, so the Milk Cup, obviously that's where it starts getting really competitive for young yeah, people in all the counties. That's when all the best players come together and play for their county and against yeah. other teams from England and further afield.
1: Yeah, so my first year I went, I actually wasn't, I was thinking like, was, I was 14. I wasn't planning on going because I just had like a, a really tough season and I was like, struggling towards the end I was like my, I was just I wasn't injured but you know when you sort of feel yourself I was like I was quite weak for some reason I don't know what I was, I was quite weak so I didn't I didn't trial or anything and uh I think it was Timmy Timmy Brown uh who's a striker Niall it was Niall Cassidy um you picked for Niall at the time he uh I think he got injured like a few weeks before and I remember I was just sitting I was, I was just enjoying my summer and you know? I was just sitting in front of the TV with a big till of ice cream. And so when, like, one of the coaches came knocking on my door. I was like, would you like people to play in the Milk cup for us? And at this point, you know, I haven't played football in like a month and a half. So the season ended in May and it was mid-July now. And uh, I was like, uh, yeah, okay. So I like showed up the week before just and did a few training sessions with the team and then went straight to the North club. That was, my, that was my first experience in the North club. Um, we were, we were okay. Uh, didn't really well actually did really well. And one goal off top goal score that year, I got beat by a Brazilian guy, um, scored a free kick in the final. So I was a good year. I think I scored four or five that, that, that year. Um, which is good, like you know, you play f- four or five games in a week, and then, um, oh yeah, first year I scored six, it was then, yeah, I scored six that year, um, which is really good, you know, Consider I was a year young, so I was really happy about that. And then that's sort of when I uh, really like it, was really putting making a name for myself,
0: yeah, something that I always find. Dead weird as I remember Adam was playing for Balamina at the time, and they played against Corinthians. and I think it was like an absolute hammer on my side, Corinthians just hammered them.
1: Yeah,
0: and there was a kid called Fabrizio Woya, uh,
1: what you want yeah. And they're like,
0: yeah. Yeah, and he's they were saying, Oh, he's got an eight million, that's why he's worth nine, eight million, you know, like 14, yeah. 15. And then after the game, I remember like some of the kids going over and asking for boots and stuff. And these kids were just taking the boots on, saying, Oh, here you go, sponsor. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was he was one who beat me um, number 10 I remember, Corinthians were some team like they were so good um, Who they beat in the final that year? I was it was Southampton they beat Southampton like 7-0 or something like that I think, or I thought it was the year after I can't remember but they like trashed some team but um, yeah that was that was my first experience in the Cup and it was obviously good enough for me to go back next year and I think the next year when I was 15 that was like that was probably our county's best chance of ever winning it I don't think we'll ever get a chance like that again we had like seven or eight international we had like seven international players on our team like we had a seriously we had Jack Chambers we had Jack Chambers when we went over to England as well went to West Brom but we had like it was like me Josh Tipping Jack Chambers Jack Harrison Tom Avison, Mike Torrance, Cole, Kai Wardlow, Ollie Weber. Andy Gordon, Lumi, oh, who else do we have? Like dangerous deal. Like we had like a seriously like a powerhouse of a team, um, and our first we start off really we well. We beat Brentford four two. We trashed Brentford. Um, I uh, scored in that game, and uh, he scored Alex McAmmy as well. Like we like at the time like that point I was probably the best. Team. We were probably the best team there. Like we. Uh, I saw Antrim, and um, yeah, we slapped Brentford four two, and then the next game, the next day, like that was like the easy game for it meant to be the easy game for us. I can't remember who we were playing. I think it was it was some Irish team, and we just couldn't score. Like it was like nil east the whole time. Uh, all we needed was a draw, and they scored one. And I think we must have had like fifty shots. And I, I always I feel bad for mentioning it, but. Uh, I remember Carl Wardlow last minute missed an absolute sitter. It was like seven yards. like we smashed it over the bar. Um, that was like that was it. Like the thing with the Milk Cup is, you know, if you don't take every chance you get, you're you're never gonna progress in it. Do you know what I mean? Like if we get a draw there, we go straight. We go to the the semi-finals. You know, it doesn't matter how well you do. It's your first two games are the ones that really matter. So if you you obviously want to win and a win, but if you get a draw and a win, like you're you're okay, because most people lose the first two games, and it's the big teams that go always to the top top uh four at like the quarterfinals and so on. But um yeah we got beat like we got beat one 0 by them, and I was like I was like this is our best chance of winning this, and we've just blown it. And then um, the other I think it was another, the other team that was meant to beat. Uh, go through they lost we were like we had like a bit of hope we had the slightest bit of hope because we went and trashed uh, this American team strikers like 6-0 or something the next day um, I scored I scored 4 that's when I set my, my record for um, most goals in the game I scored 4 that game and um, and then we just we missed out by like well, I think we missed out by one point because uh, we, we would have went 3 on goal difference we would, we would have been like eight, 8 up on goal difference or something and uh, like we were just devastated and then we played who we play after we played Roma um S Roma the Italian team we played them in the semi-final of the I think it's the Globes the one down and we beat them 2-0 I had we had like I, when I say we had a serious team like we had a really we were just beating everyone and when we played Rangers in the final and we beat them I think we, I think we beat them one or two nil. I think. Yeah. I remember. But, yeah, again, I was, like, one goal off. I think this season all goal score as well. Uh, Jack Chambers won uh, play of the tournament. Like, that's how, like, good we were performing as a team. And I was just so, like, unfortunate that we couldn't take it to the final. Uh, I think that's when it was that season, Southampton beat... Oh, no, right, yeah, right to dream. This, oh, right to dream there, this... um, African team, they're like the Man City Feeder Club for, so Man City set up a play, a uh, academy in Africa, take um, like all the African young boys in, and uh, then the best ones go to Man City. And what I mean, like, like ridiculous players, they were, they were just toy with teams. We watched them play Antrim and Antrim's arguably like, you know, the same level as us, you know, like all, pretty much all international players. And they just were running, like just running rings around them. They're like their coach. You could, you pretty much see their coach tell them just to play two touch. And like, they played two touch for like a half an hour and they just wouldn't lose the ball. Uh, it was, it's like ridiculous football. And like for that age as well, it's, it's like unseen, especially over here. It's like, it's just unseen. And they, you know, they're beating a full-time professional club, seven nil, you know, like it was nothing in the final.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so, um, that was good, and then I set my the other record I set for cut you down was I sc- the most goals in the lead up to the tournament. I think I scored like fifteen or sixteen, and um, I think we only played like seven or eight games. I think it was so. Um, yeah, it was a good that was a good year, and that's sort of that was sort of my breakthrough year.
0: Yeah. So how did you find, like, so your first year, you got a, you got a call to the door, someone says, do you want to play for us? And then see the next year after that, did you know you were already in the team or did you have to trial again?
1: No, I had to do all the trials, yeah. So you couldn't, obviously, if you're playing for and Island and stuff, you, you expect yourself being be in it, but you have to do the trials like everyone else. It wouldn't, it wouldn't really be fair. Like, it wouldn't really be fair on people who want to, you know, get in because... I could be playing terribly. I had a terrible season. Could be playing terribly if I'm in. I have a terrible you know, cup. Um, the one who did go against the green would be Andy Gordon. You know, again, there's a few center mids that you would expect to have been in the team, and Andy Gordon was not one of them. But at the trials, he was just outstanding. Do you know what I mean? And he he's in. You know, um, so usually, usually, like you yourself have a gist of what the squad's going to be like. You know, because um, we've, we've been playing against each other, like our whole, we've been playing against each other our whole um, childhood, like, you know, from like 10 onwards, you know, four or five years. It's just like, there's still a top group of players from like Ridgeway, Crusaders, Limfields, Fields, Glentor and Cliftonville, that you, that you play consistently, you plunk it, and you just sort of know it's pretty much going to be the county down players from those five, five or six teams in the top of the league. But there, there is a few that got in. There's like Matty I I don't even know who he's playing for at the time. Uh, he's a goalkeeper. He got in, um, and then Andy Gordon as well. And uh, Lumi had only really just started really playing. Uh, I think he was at Rosario years ago, but he just joined Crusaders and he did well, so he was in. So, um, but Andrew Gordon's probably a standout player that like was like, yeah, he's unexpected and he's. Just kind of come in. He was, like, he was like, a wee engine along that midfield. He, he scored. I remember uh, he scored against Roma, and he had like this crazy celebration. Just when you could hear him on the mic, just screaming into the, uh, into the video because was all recorded, and he's just like screaming. And it was, it was good. Like he was, he was a good player.
0: So, how did your time playing for Northern Ireland come about? Did you have the trial for the them, or was it more of the just last year?
1: Uh, yeah. So, back. It was like when we were at 12 There was a thing called the county it was like the county setup so um it was like the elite county setup so the best players in each county did trials and then you'd be in like this county setup where you train um once twice a week with your like the best players in the county instead of, like instead of, like having a northern island setup and um so that was like the big thing that was a big thing when i like when i was like 12. And I didn't get into that first time. I didn't, I didn't get into it first time. It's the second time I trialed, I got in and uh, like we play, you, you do like we camps where you go play like, uh, you play like three games a day. You play like Arma and Truman or whatever. And um, yeah, that was, that was like my first sort of like experience of like, a, like, a, like a higher level of football. You know, you're sort of playing with the best players in your county. You're kind of down to big counties. You're, you know, you're playing with the best players in that county against the best players and around you know around the Northern Islands. You're playing that sort of best top one hundred and you know, top ninety players in the country, and um, it was from that they developed like two Northern Ireland squads. So they developed like a uh, Arma Arma Tyrone, Fermanagh, and um, I can't remember the counties now. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There you was, know what you mean. Yeah. There's, there's four. There's from Fermana, Tyrone, and I can't remember the other one now. But, um, they, they were in one side, so they all played together to the best. Like, I think it was best 20, um, right up there. And then Down and Antrim joined together. down, uh, and we trained And that was, like, a, just a selection. So, like, you just got a letter through the post and you've been selected to, um, train with you know, for the Northern Ireland select team and that's sort of how it started like I never expected myself to get in there because I only really started again I only really started playing striker and I wasn't like unreal Do you know I, I was just bigger and I was faster and I had like an eye for goal I was scored a lot like I scored like 40 50 goals a season but I always been told it was because I was good it was just because I was bigger than everyone else but um. That's when when I went to Northern Ireland. That's when I really started like really started to develop as a player, and um, yeah, that's how we got in. So you do like two years Northern Ireland development, and then we had our first international friendlies. So we played Belgium and Turkey, and then so they, so they merged. They merged the two, so they, like pretty much half it, and they say uh, the best players from County Antrim and the best players from the other counties we'll come into one squad and then we'll train like once a week. Uh, I think she's in Cookstown. So you have to like, I think like, I used to go to school, finish at five, run over to, um, uh, there like the Northern Ireland headquarters and then to get like a bus from, like, from there, from Belfast to Cookstown. And you get up there for like seven and then you train at like eight. And then I think like another two hour, like bus home. Um, so like, that was like horrible. It was hard. Um, but we used to do that, and we all just train together. And then we play like Belgium, Belgium, Turkey. We got beat. And We did really well again. like our first for our first international game. We did really well against Belgium. I think we got beat one nil. I think it was, and we we had good chances. And then we got beat two 0 by Turkey. Hmm. Um. So that was, like our first sort of taste of international football, and um, you could tell like the lack of training with like the like the other. Players in the other counties was like it was a big factor, and then when you get to like under 14 15 level, like it's just one team, either, either you're in or you're not. So, like, you train Monday and Wednesday at um Jordanstown University, and the, so that's like the main core team. There's like 16, maybe 20, that's like the main squad that would be going away. Uh, they train Monday, Wednesday, and I think we had some serious players in that team, like that was that if if you were in that team you just your development just skyrocketed because like we you know it's the best that's the best 20 players in the country right there do you know what i mean so um we did that and then i actually went up to i actually went up a year to uh up a year and two years to train um pascal with stevie robinson and um i trained with the 99s so like Stephen Malin, uh david parkhouse jack sharvan that, that's last ninety nine team, and then I went. I used to train before I used to train with them with ninety eight. So I trained with like Salu Salu Jallo, uh Luke Fisher. I'm trying to think who's. I can't remember who's actually still over there, but I, that Nathan Kerr, that whole like ninety eight. team I used to train with as well. So I was like a really good experience for me. When I was when I was young, I was a lot younger than them. I was two years younger than them, so that was pretty experience and exposure for me, you know, physically, and mm-hmm. like to see how fast they they played the game, you know what I mean? So, um, that was sort of how Northern Ireland came about. It's It wasn't like, you know, trial or anything. It was just like, you just, you if you're in the county team, you get a letter and if you, you go a letter, you're, you're in, pretty much. So, you're,
0: you're playing for Northern Ireland and you're representing them. So, when you were in the younger age groups, were you still travelling like across the water to play different teams and just all over the place or were they all coming to... to...
1: Yeah. So, the first game was we went to we went to Belgium to play Belgium and um, Turkey. The next games I think we played Slo... No, it wasn't. We played. We played. We went to Slovakia and did friendlies. Uh, two friendlies against Slovakia. That's when Josh Tipping. Uh, fun fact: Josh Tipping is the only other player, except for David Healy, to score a hat trick from around. So. Um, <laughs> Now they get Slovakia. We went away to Slovakia to play in friendlies. Uh, who we play? Also we play. We played two home games. I just can't remember who they were. They weren't. They weren't particularly good. And we beat them like four two and four 0 And then we played Poland at home. And then, you know, you're constantly going. We went away to Finland. went away to Slovenia. went away to Slovakia. Uh, you play loads of t- teams at home and it, it's like a constant like you go away you, you, it's just wherever the frennies are agreed to be played really I suppose it's hard
0: as well obviously because you're still very very young and yeah. then, say 13, 14, 15 the whole way up and you're leaving your family and you're going with maybe boys you don't know quite as well coaches you don't know and it's, it's sort of it's hard like I can imagine
1: yeah I mean I think we got sort of lucky because like again now that not team I've I've known all of them since we were like really young, like 10. You know, we've all been playing against each other. And a lot of us were, because we played each other so much, so we yeah, had a lot of us had good relationships. So um, it wasn't too bad in that sense. What was tough was like skill and things like that. So I went to a rugby school. So they just wouldn't, they just didn't want me to go. And like we had a lot of, I had a lot of problems with uh, my school and getting, I, I had like pretty much perfect attendance except for whenever. I went to an international camps, So um, that, I think the biggest problem was school. And, um, you know, in terms of like the lads and stuff, they were like, it was pretty much the same group. You know, it never really changed. Um, yeah, it was yeah, pretty much the same group. You get like the old players that would come and go, like uh, Manny Shannon was at the start. And then sort of, you know, more players come in and try and stuff like that. But it's not really like... It's not like they're bringing four at one time. It's like maybe one maximum from two, so you don't really, you don't really have that awkwardness with like player you don't know, which which you do get when you go to like when I went like when you get to Bur- when you go to Birmingham and things like that. It's a whole different sort of kettle of fish that.
0: So you mentioned there just about finding it hard with school and school letting you out. Was that just because they didn't want to release you to go away on international yeah, shooting? But-
1: yeah, cause I wouldn't play rugby for them, so they didn't make it difficult for me.
0: That's that's how it goes, and yeah. unfortunately, it ends. That's
1: yeah. <laughs> mad. I know. I was like, I, I'm, I'm representing. I'm not just representing Northern Ireland. I'm representing you, Do you know? What I mean? Yeah. And I just just weren't having it. Like, yeah, it's because school's it's couple's life. <laughs> yeah, they ca- they they cared more about sports day than they did me playing for Northern Ireland. You know, that, they ha- they had to. He took me aside and said, if you're not playing sports day, I'm not letting you go. And I was like, You can't be serious. And he's like, Yeah, if you're not uh you're not playing House Sports Day and House Rugby, I'm not letting you go to your next thing. So I was like, All right. And I just went and lost everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like you can't you can't just tell me you're not gonna let me go when you've got when, when I have every right to go. Do you know what I mean? I can I could I could literally just go. I've got it's not like I haven't got I haven't got poor attendance. My attendance is like ninety-seven percent. So even if I did go, it wouldn't affect that anyway. Um, I would just get my work caught up when I get back. And um, so I was like, "Do you know what? you're gonna be like that, I'm just gonna... I'm because I my my year in particular they relied on me to win a lot of the events I was doing. Because I was doing I was doing a lot of athletics and stuff at the time. I was running. I was doing like all the Ulster competitions and things like that. So they relied on sports days and things They relied on me a lot. And I was like, you, you can't, you're putting me in a really awkward position. You know, I I don't care about sports days. It doesn't, it has no effect on my life. Do you know, if I, win, if I win sports day, it's not going to give me a scholarship or a, a professional contract in England. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like it has no, like, I, whether my house wins at the end of the year for the, you know, the house award, which, you know, I'm not going to get, like, I don't care. So I was like, Do you know what? I'm just, I'll, I'll just lose it. I, you know, you're gonna put me in this like that. Well, I'm I'm just gonna lose everything for you. You know, and I don't. I don't need that sort of stress. So I just went to, and then I just went away. Yeah. I Suppose um, it's that's
0: such a weird one as well because you know you're playing for Northern Ireland. You're trying to get trials across the water and and make a career out of football. And they're saying no, you need to compete in house day at the school.
1: It's like. I couldn't believe it. I sort of sat there, looked at him, and I was like, "Are you? I actually said to like, are you being serious? Like, right now?'" And was like, "Yeah. Like, uh, sports day. Like, what's what's more important than your house?" I was like, "What? Yeah, no, no, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, playing for my country. Sorry, (laughs) but um, yeah, like it was school was definitely the hardest part for for me. It was the hardest part.
0: Yeah." Did, did you ever play rugby for instance? Or did you just come
1: down? Nah, I avoided it. All. I played I played house rugby once. Um but I was just like my class were really the most athletic. You know, we had a few we had like one or two we had one cricket player, uh, and we had like one A team um rugby player, Daniel King. Um and you had maybe like a couple B team players, but everyone no one really was athletic, I had a couple of hockey players as well so like our team was like and then on the day the, the one rugby player we did have couldn't play he had a concussion so like we just had to, to fill it in with like like my mates like played league of legends and stuff like that Do you know what i mean they're not really yeah. the most athletic people They just sort of sat and played league of legends all day so, sort of guys yeah. so that was the one time we played but i was like just a good laugh I, it wasn't it didn't take it serious um but i never actually played for the school no i just i avoided that at all costs
0: it's one of those ones as well. Like if you had a plate for the school, you're risking getting hurt. Exactly, which yeah. is not something that you, can, you can put yourself on the line for. They afford
1: to do. Yeah,
0: afford today. So then, talk to me about borrowing, and then how did all of that? How did that start?
1: Uh, it it came across. So, it, uh Ruin Hill recommended me. Um, Ruin Hill's a year above me. I played Crusader two years above me. I played with Garcia for him and he um he went to Birmingham and like he had oh, he's probably had the best first season I've ever seen. He had like 31, he had 30 goals and one assist or something like that. And he was just like, even like I remember I watched him play, like even on the games where he was absolutely dreadful, he still would churn out four goals. You know, but, um so he recommended me uh to the recruitment staff and they came to watch my one of my no Island games. I honestly can't remember who I playing. Um, I scored that game. And they said, yeah, I'll have a look at you at the Milk Cup. And then I had a really good milk Cup. And then they're like, all right, we'll take you over. Uh, So I went over in, in my first one, like September time. And I played, we played Sheffield. No, we played first game. I think we played one of the Sheffields. I scored two. And then... Um, and then I got asked back for another trial. Uh, I came back with Keelan. Who was on, he was, I think he got, he'd just been signed. He just got his, he got offered his contract, but he was just coming back just to play for him. Um, and we played Sheffield United this time. I scored, and I think I scored again. Or I think I scored one I two again. And uh, that's when they offered me my contract. And then I think what really sort of sealed the deals when I had my, remember I was telling you, I, had, I played er- Erling ha- Haaland in that mm. Norway game. Uh, we were playing Norway I was just after we played the VQ Shield we played a friendly against Norway at home and um, yeah we were like 2-0 down just before half time I think I, sh- I scored just before half time we 2-1 and then I got three assists in the second half and we were, and I mean it was like 4-3 up and um, I was like flipping heck, you know Erling ha- Erling ha- Erling ha- that's Erling Haaland do you know what I mean? like, I already kind of knew who he was before we played Mm-hmm. And he um, was he was great, like he was a good player I, when he was when he was younger. You could sort of see the quality of him. Uh, but we were 4-2 up. Um, I think I came off last like last ten minutes, and we we drew like, four each. I think Alan scored two or something last in the last four minutes of the game to make it four each. But um, that was sort of the game that like I think that, that really like sealed it in people's mind that I. I could be, you know, I could go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I went over to Birmingham and I signed, I signed my pre-contract with them. So uh, that's sort of how I, like it came about. And I didn't move over until summer. So did you get a
0: phone call telling them that they wanted to give you a contract or was it all done in person?
1: It was all done in person. So it was after my, my second trial, the, uh, Simon Jones, the head of recruitment, just uh, when he dropped me off to the airport. because uh, I had missed my I missed my my flight home. I fell asleep. And uh he picked me up and was like, Yeah, by the way, we were gonna call you, but since you haven't got your flight home, uh we were giving you a scholar, a two year scholar. So that's when I that's how I found out.
0: What was the phone call like with your parents saying I mean, as soon as you find out that you're saying
1: Yeah, they were buzzing. It was um it was a big moment for us because you know, you sort of come from being told you're just you're not good enough you're just big to like sign in for one well, of the few people that sign for a professional team in England and a, and a good academy too. You know, at the time they were, I think are like top five for producing young players, you know, so it was it was like a really big moment for me. I'm mm-hmm. And one dad as well.
0: Suppose it, it's one of those things, like, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with being big if anything, it's it's, it's a benefit. You know, that's yeah. something that you do want. Yeah. But uh, So you're at Birmingham and, you, and you're playing at Birmingham. How old was your first year?
1: How oh, old was that my first year? Or no, sorry. How was it your first year? Oh, I was... Uh, it, was it, it was good. So I, I, got, I, was, I got injured just before I left. So I hurt my ankle. I played. I just signed for Linfield and I was playing, hurt my ankle. And um, I came back for pre-season. I was back for pre-season. And I was like flying in pre-season. I think I scored like six or seven goals in like three or four games pre-season. Doing really well. But our killing and I's clearance didn't come. So, like, when you sign, you get your clearance to play in the UK. It didn't come until, like, end of October. So, like, we just couldn't play. Like, we missed, like, the first six or seven games. Um, I played the first – played a couple games, started off pretty well. I think I played – I came on against Huddersfield. And then um, – I played, she- we played Sheffield and then in training, I, got, I tore my hamstring. So I was out until Christmas. Got back, played really well. We did like a wee few, wee like five aside tournaments against Walford and stuff, doing really well. Uh, came on against Sheffield away, played decently. And then we had Chelsea in the FAE Cup in the third round or something like that. So it's pretty early on to get them. Um, the manager called me in his office and said, You're starting tomorrow. I was like, geez, I haven't, really, I haven't really played much. You know, I've been thinking of my clearance and then injured. So, I, like, it was, like, a big moment for me, like, because I, tra- I was doing my own training, but it was a really big moment for me because usually it's the older older ones that will play because, like, uh, under 18s, it's, like, two age groups, if you, know, if you get me. So it's, like, a team of, like, 60 players, mm-hmm. like, 20, like, 40 players. I that. So um, it was really big because there's, like, two or three strikers that should... Technically, be ahead of me because they're just because they're older than me, and FA Cup only comes in once, so they tend to give people that sort of experience to say that they've played in the FA Cup. But he started being against Chelsea, and um, that's when playing against Trevor Chalava, I was about eight minutes in, uh, the ball came up in the air, and I flicked it on for running I was three on goal, but Chalava came in late and like just knocked me out. He headbutted me in the back of the head and knocked me out unconscious. When I, when I landed, like, I landed on my knees. My knees, like, bent out, outwards like that. And I did, I got lucky. I should have done both of them, but I only, I only did one. So that was me, like, I was injured again for, another, like, five or six months, did my MCL. Mm-hmm. So that was, like, that was my first season of, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it was, like, a good experience. But, you know, I only played, like, two, three games. I just got really unlucky, you know, tore hamstring. get back get knocked out by I knew knocked, knocked out by Trevor Chalub and do my knee. Um I did my ankle as well. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't um it wasn't the greatest start to your first year in England like, but uh it's, it's just what it was. That's sort of deal of it. Did your
0: knee require surgery?
1: Nah it didn't no, I didn't get a surgery on it. Um I was just in a brace. I was in bracing crutches for two months, like. I think. But I'm a really bad concussion, I think I was concussed for about nearly a month. Like I was just I lost, uh, they, they let me go home for like a week because I came back for my girlfriend at the time. I came back for her, like, uh, what do we call it? Like one of her phone, like a fundraiser for me. And they just called me and said, Yeah, can stay home for a week. And I lost something like six kilos just from sleeping. I was sleeping like 13, 14 hours a day. And I just wouldn't eat. I'd wake up and I'd have like something to eat and I'd go straight back to bed. I was just, I lost like six or seven kilos like just from sleeping. Because mm-hmm. I was just, my I, I was just so badly concussed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was my first experience of uh, professional football. I suppose it's very difficult as well
0: because you're trying to make an impression for yourself, and yeah. you see it as an opportunity, and then it's just unlucky. It's just something that wasn't supposed to happen happens.
1: Yeah, and that sort of carried through. You know, I'd always have really good preseason, so I'd come back and I'd come back better. You know, I was I was very determined that way. You know, i never really let let it get to me. um always came back stronger and and better. I was always, every time I got injured, when I came back, I was always fitter, I was always faster, I was always stronger. Um, And I had a really good 2nd preseason. So I did went to Porto, scored two against Porto um, on preseason. you know, scoring against all, I think I scored, again, I think I was like uh, eight goals in four games or something, pre-season. Started off the season really well. Um, was scoring goals, went uh, on my internationals. Was doing well internationally. Um, I went I went to the under nineteen euros, like a year young. Me and Keelan went. Uh, we played, went to we went to Poland. It was in Poland that year, and we had Germany. I was given the number nine shirt and everything, but uh, this didn't play me. Yeah, you know, gave me the number nine shirt and everything, but wouldn't put me on because he he just. Found out about a player who played for Burnley, Harry Lim, who was like a year older than me, so he played him instead. But I was I was annoyed me, but I was like, you know, it's fine. And then I came back again flying, and then uh, I remember we just played Burnley, and we beat them like three one or three two, and. Uh, we had a friendly but they didn't want me to play in the friendly so like a few of us stayed back and just trained with like the 16s and i tore my quad just passing just passing the ball into the minigo we were doing 2v2s i took it past one of the younger ones and was just passing the end and my quad like just popped so that was me again for like three months um until christmas again came back did well and then we had FA Cup like our FA Youth Cup run and we were we were like we were doing really well. Beat Sheffield uh 1-0. We beat I think it was Bristol. Um and then we played we we're playing Bury in the quarterfinals, finals. I like to say. No. Uh last 16. So it was just the round before the quarter quarters. Um fifth round, I think it is. We playing Bury and I I got back for that match and um I started that scored I scored the second goal and then assisted the third and uh and then I made my 23 debut after that. So I was like I was on a really good run there. I was playing really well and but I could feel my body wasn't uh, I was just I was just tired and sore. So I said to the I said to the physio, like, you know, my quads feel really tight again kind of not train and stuff and they're like no 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 you need to train you need to train I was like listen like call's really tight and uh I still train because so you, you can't at that age you kind of have to do you know what I mean? you can't you don't really have a choice you know, you, you know our contract decisions are coming up in the next few weeks so I can't really have a choice to like not train and um we had a we were playing Norwich in the quarterfinals and um I think that was in a few days so we had like the Friday off because we we're pending on Monday so the Friday the day off on Friday. So I was like, right, sweet. Day off on Friday, I'll recover. I'll be my quad will be, I'll loosen my qual out, it'll be fine for them the match. They're like, no, nah, you're not, you're not having a day off, you're treating with the 16s. I was like, what? Like, why, why could I not put the day off for the rest of my team? You know, um quite clearly I'm like struggling with like tightened my my quad again, like it's it's coming back. And they're like, now nah, you're training with the 16. So I did that session, and then the next day I was like, listen, I can't train, I can barely even walk. And they're like, no, nah, you'll be fine. And they did a few like we um like loosen up techniques. Didn't really work. And then about three minutes into the session, all, all I did was I put my foot in the ball and rolled it for someone overlapping me. And my quad just like popped again, like the same ones popped. And that was me again. I was me for like to the end of the season. Like I was me right into, through into summer. Mm-hmm. But um, luckily they gave me they gave me a they gave me a contract. And I got an extra year. And um, same thing again. Good pre-season. I went on loan. Was doing really well. And then went to we had uh, two for international friendly against Slovakia. Again, eight minutes in hamstring, completely tore it off the tendon like i had to get it stitched back together so um yeah i spent like pretty much my whole three years like i was pretty much injured i never really got a chance to actually play i think that was the that was the hardest part about it you know because mentally like you don't you're you're completely by yourself over there like i I was in a room you know in a room small smaller than this for like three years you know trying to deal with all these injuries and you know thinking that your career's finished already when I've put like my whole childhood into it do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so uh that was the toughest the toughest time um trying to trying to constantly like get injured all right okay I'm injured can't do anything about that come back and you come back and you come back you know and um yeah that was, that was definitely the worst Knowing that you're getting really, I got released that, that year just simply because my medical bill was too high. They were just like, Yeah, we can't keep you on. Like, we'd like to give you, because at the times I wasn't injured, I was still scoring loads. and I was still really playing well, still training well. Was, you know, was, they, they had no doubt about what I could do. It was just the only doubt they had was how much of a medical bill I'd rack up, you know, when I left. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's sort of why I got let go. And I was sort of like, my time over there.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it's extremely difficult dealing with injuries by yourself. Yeah. And and how hard that is. But when you're over there and you're getting these injuries and it sounds like, to me, being, I would be a complete novice at this, it, it would be, it sound like you're overworking on well, at least some of them.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, and that's, it wasn't, uh, I always told them you know, but at the, at the time, I obviously now I wouldn't have. I would have just said I'm not training, and that's why I told my little brother went over, and he was um, experienced the same thing. And I just said to him like, "They're not gonna. If you're one of the better players in the team, which you are, they're if you take if you just say to them, like my 'My, I'm tight, I'm not training,' they're not gonna they're not gonna do anything about that because that's what it's like at first team. Like if you, if you go into the first um, the first team environment, I was in the first team physio room. You know, you've got players. Better mind their training schedules. Not as hectic because they play like two or three games a week sometimes. So they play like on a Tuesday and a Saturday, and it's you know, so it's, it's hard to get training in. So a lot of them, a lot of them don't train every day. A lot of them will play a match; they'll be off the next day. They'll, if depending on when the next match is, they'll maybe do a hard session. But a lot of them will do off the next day, and then the next day they'll do like recovery. So they'll just do like stretching, maybe some head tennis and like massages. Then the next day they'll do like a light session. We'll play matches and prepare for the game on the Tuesday. And then they'll play a match on Tuesday and they'll be off. And then on the Thursday they'll play, they'll, they'll come in and do recovery. Do you know what I mean? And it's like a constant cycle of like light sessions. Most of them don't train. Like a lot of them will just sit and they'll come in and they'll like, right. Because I understand if you're injured, if you're injured, you can't play, you can't perform. So they don't, they don't uh take any risks it's just they're like i feel like the slightest niggle, they're straight into that room they're getting straight into the room, massages heat packs anything um i can just sort of make it better because you know they're getting better and they're getting paid so we're getting paid to play and i just said i used to say to my brother listen if you're feeling anything you're not training there's no point risking it because you you can do what I did and train because you think you have to and then that's you for four months you know that's four months of I lost three years of development you know because I just kept I, well obviously I told them but it was, it was a bit of a, they just didn't listen to me sort of thing you know I told them but they are like now nah, you gotta do it and it was me as like right I have to do it instead of just saying no I'm not doing it do you know what I mean standing on my ground but um yeah, I think I've had a real softball for people who get injuries now because it's not easy. Like, you are are you you don't see your team. You're pretty much alone for your whole time you're injured. I think getting injuries is
0: part and partial of football, but mm-hmm. what was the conversation like then? You know, you're going into the physio. You're telling them you're tight. You're telling them you're sore. The next day, you're getting hurt. Is there not like you're sort of like, like, I told you this. You know, this is...
1: Yeah, yeah, there was, but I had a really good relationship with my physio, so, you know, obviously he was like, yeah, it, it, it was more, I, when it happened, that particular one, when it happened, you know, they were like, yeah, we're, you know, we we should have listened to you, sort of thing, you know, and they were sorry, um, but I, I'm just, I'll tell the person, like, it's, it's done now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's over. There's nothing, nothing, um... But yeah, like it's it happens and I just you have to sort of get on with it. I can't go back and change it, you know. Your are quads torn, you're quad you you just have to get on with it. But um I had a really good relationship with my physio, he's he's my because obviously when you're in when you're injured, it's just you and your physio. You're you're on a different time schedule, you don't get the same days you don't get really any days off. So uh I was in pretty much all my summers with him. Um so it's, it's really it's a really lonely uh like place to be when you're injured because you, know, you come in same time you maybe get breakfast for your team if you're lucky uh and then they're in a the gym you're in the physio room doing all your like activation and stuff they go to training you're in the gym they come back for lunch you're in this physio room or in the gym they go back out to training you get your lunch do you know what i mean it's like and then they're done, you're in the gym doing your other stuff, and then they go home, and then you're just going back in the gym room. Yeah. So, like, that sort of team interaction, I maybe got, like, 20 minutes of my team, like, max a day, and then you're in by yourself. Like, usually, a lot of the time on days off, it'll be sort of in correlation to the first team and the 23. So, some of the times you get, like, a, a day off where, like, no one's in, it's just, like, the staff, but because you're injured, you, you're you not you're not part you're not part of that plan. You're you're always in, pretty much. So uh, say, it's not easy. Like,
0: I can definitely simplify, so I feel like I know from my own experience, from just the loneliness part of it, I remember mm. a few years ago, I was playing football just with my mates, it was like a wee five-a-side competition, and I remember someone pushed me in the back and my ACL snapped. Ooh. And then that was me. It was a year, year waiting for the operation, and then a year of rehab after that. And I remember that year, it was even, you know, like when your friends are messing about and you're going to the beach, you're going to whatever, and they're all playing volleyball. And I was like, do you know what? I think I can do this right now. So yeah. I remember going to play volleyball with him. And I remember just jumping up and trying to you know, smash the ball. And, and he just went again. yeah and, Yeah. And I'm just like, this is very, very difficult. And from that moment on, it was just watching everybody else have fun. While yeah. you're sitting on the sidelines just being like, I wish I was out there. I wish I was just doing something. Yeah. So it's difficult. I, I suppose yours is a lot worse, obviously,
1: because this is your career. This is this is your livelihood. Yeah, but it's, it's it's the same for everyone. Like it affects it, it's, it affect, it probably just affects you just as much. Do you know what I mean? But um, that's something that I'm I'm looking to change. You know, I'm looking to sort of talk. about. there has there's not enough support. Like there's obviously that kid that got released from Man City that took his life because of it. You know, a lot of a lot of us dedicate our whole childhoods and everything to become. Footballer, I'm mean, going to sort of taken away from something under your control. It's like it's it can be really hard to deal with, but there's no there's no real support. You get the all time like oh you're right, you know how how you know. You get like the small talk, but there's no like um real psychological like help. Do you know what I mean?
0: Well, you've been over there and 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 you've lived through it. So what what would be your advice? What would you, your advice be to those clubs? What can they do better?
1: I think there there has to be like some sort of like therapist for someone to talk to, or or even try and even just try and make their schedule fit in with the teams, you know. So, like, we we had a quite quite a close team, and eventually we became quite close. So on our days off, a lot of us would go to Nando's and things like that together, and just you know, stuff like that. Um, but like even just trying to make it so that you know you're in and around your teammates you're in the gym with them when they're in the gym even if you're not doing the same things in the gym with them uh if they're out training you're doing your stuff but you can like, go out and watch and things like that there's there's loads of stuff that can make you feel a part of the, part of the team you know even in the team meetings because when they do the team meetings you're not in them you're doing stuff in the gym you know um things like that it's just there, there's not enough in, interaction with injured players you know? I had, fortunately I had really good teammates and they come, they sometimes come see me in the physio room and stuff like that. Um, it was great. But um, like, just, just little things. I think there should be a therapist for it because if you're someone who, you know, my friend did his ACL twice, you know, that's, that's really tough to deal with as well. You know, doing your knee twice. And again, like, again, like him, you know, at the time, sometimes it's just you sometimes it could be like 50 people there was one stage where there was like 30 people injured like between 23 and 18 there's a lot of people injured and it's fine because you know there's a lot of people to talk to but then a lot of them are just like wee knocks and niggles so you, they sort of filter out over like a couple of weeks and it's just back just back to being you again do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think um, there has to be you new know, therapists i think coaches need to take a bit more time to come down and talk to them and or include them in team meetings and things like that. Or um for like big matches like the FA Youth Cup, we had to get like our own separate mini bus down. You know, we weren't allowed to be with the team. Yeah. It's like it's like that's we're still part of that team, but it doesn't feel like you are. You're you know, you're you're doing everything by yourself. And then when it comes to like important moments like the FA Youth Cup, you know, you're kind of ostracized to go down a minibus with a, with some of the players that aren't picked for the squad it's like just get a bigger bus for everyone to get onto it do you know what I mean?
0: I, I think that's a that's a very strange what was the decision making process behind that? do you know the decision making process?
1: no it's, I think it's just like that for pretty much every club you go to it's like uh, the bus hasn't got enough people so get get a mini like we'll give you a minibus down it's like there's nothing you
0: can do about it you know I suppose would that maybe be different at, at first team level then, or or is it the same? No,
1: at first team level. Uh, at first team level, I don't think the injured players even go to the away games. They, they You have to go to the first. You have to go to the home games, but um. You make your own way, you make your own way to the home games anyway, so yeah. yeah, it's not a problem. But I'm pretty sure first team away games you don't have to go. So, um. I'd assume if anyone did want to go, it'd be very few people because you know they travel long distances, you know. Norwich is four hours away. Yeah. So if you're playing Norwich, you know, you're gonna sit four hours to watch a game you can watch on TV. What age
0: were you when you when obviously what was the bus? What age were you then?
1: When I when I went sorry, what was that? So what age were you
0: when you know you were made to get a different bus to the FA Cup game?
1: Like seventeen
0: or something? I think it's awfully hard as well because you're still very, very young. You know, yeah. you're, st- you're still a kid, you know, and they separate you from your team and make you do stuff by yourself. I don't know how that would help someone develop as a footballer, even as a person when you're separating them from the yeah. people who, who they're close to. Well,
1: it's... The reason it's like that is because, you know, for me, it's a really small club. You don't have, like, a lot of facilities, so... You know we all first team 23s 18s you all share the same gym but you can't be in the gym with the first team in the gym so like you have to like you're, you're having to time things so whenever they leave you go in and then whenever you go in you have like a small period to get your stuff done so uh we used to go in at like eight in the morning before breakfast so that we get our gym session done and then we get breakfast before the first team come in and get breakfast. You know, you're you're not meant to be with the first team. And that's like that in every, most, nearly every club. But a lot of clubs, like the bigger clubs will have like two separate canteens, two separate gyms, separate facilities all the clubs will have. But we share it all. So, in order for me to get my rehab and things done, I need the gym space. So, that, that would be whenever they're all training. Mm-hmm. So I have to wait until the first team done. Wait until my... Because the gym's not big either. So whenever my squad go in, there's not a lot of room. So there's just, like, there's no point going in. Even though I'd like to, to you know, socialise because you sort of need that and you mess up. But um, you have to think of it as what, your rehab comes first, you know? Of course, yeah. Yeah, so... And then, like, the things with the bus, like, that's just... That's just, just, that happens, you know, a, a lot of clubs, it's not, not just Birmingham, a lot of clubs do that, it's just like, you know, you've got, yeah. but um, I just, uh, it, it is tough not being able to, like, you know, you've just won an FA Cup game and you're not even on the bus with them on the way back.
0: Yeah, it's tragic, like, it's, it's not, it's not, yeah. not a nice feeling when your team's celebrating and yeah, you're on you know the other
1: bus. And you're on a minibus home, you know, I've come to minibus. And like, there's nothing, because like, they take the first team bus over, which only has a certain amount of people on it, which is fair enough. But like, how, how, does it, how does it make you feel whenever the team that you normally get to spend much time in that you're still meant to be a part of wins an FA Cup, FA Cup game and you can't even celebrate with them, you know?
0: Yeah, suppose we'll, we'll move on then and, and talk about you coming home then. So how, how did how did that conversation go with Birmingham?
1: Uh, they just take, it, same for everyone, they just take it into the office. I uh, was sat in the office with the 23's manager and I think it was Gary Monk at the time. And they're just like, yeah, they're just straight, they're just straightforward to me. They said, yeah, we're not giving our contract. Um, actually, I was actually, like, it was a final, I think it was, my decision was like a final decision. It was just one, it was one vote. I think it was like 50-50 to give me like another chance. And uh, I think it might have been Guy Monk that said, nah, because he hadn't seen me play. Even he just signed, even he just become first team manager and I was injured when he joined. So he hadn't seen me play and it's his decision's final. So they're like, yeah, um, you know, you've been injured a lot. It's not been fair on you, but you know, we just can't let you go. And I was like, that's fine. Like I had a really good relationship with the club, you know, Um, I had a really good relationship with them. I got on well with all the staff. I'd go sit in the offices after, like I'd be done late at like five and I'd just go sit in with all the staff at like five and just talk to them, talk away to them. Um, so I, like my relationship with Birmingham was great. So it wasn't, it was obviously hard to hear those words, but like it, well, there was no hard feelings, you know, It's football, and there's seven other guys, uh, three or four other guys got released you know, there seven the year before, You know, if it happens every year, it's just part and partial. You know, it's not um, not like they're out to get me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's how that happens. They just bring you into the office, there's like three of them, and they just sit you down. It's, they just tell you straight up, like there's no, there's no messing about. You're only in there for about five, 10 minutes. So you know, there's no messing around.
0: Mm-hmm. And then your next move was obviously to Palomino under David Jaffer. Yeah. So
1: talk to me about that. Uh, so I was at uh, I was at Limfield. So I'm 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 like uh, I'm good relationship with David Healy. So I texted him and said, "Can I just train with you?" I don't. It wasn't like a trial or anything. It was just I hadn't played. He was like, "Yeah, come down train with us." So I just trained with the uh, the first team at Linfield, and then I had a trial at Crusaders. But I was I was terrible. I knew like I knew straight away. Like I think after after about three or four training sessions, I was like, yeah, I was I was training really bad. I hadn't played in like a year, and uh, Stephen Baxter was like trying to get me a stand the week, and I was like, listen, like I'm I, it's football. Do you know what I mean? Don't like keep things going on. The, the thing that's good about football is how sort of cutthroat it is. You know, there's nothing worse than him going like, oh yeah, I want to see more of you. When you can sort of tell he's gesturing, you're not going to get anything, and then do it another week and then not get anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've, you've seen, you only really need to see three or four training sessions to tell if someone's going to get anything. At, at a, on trial, that's, that's how it usually goes. It's usually three or four matches or three or four training sessions in a match or something like that. So I was just like, listen, it's not going to hurt my feelings. It's football, you know. I know personally, I didn't train well. You know? Mm-hmm. So I I went and uh, Jim Grattan, who I can't, he he's a uh, part of the FA messaged me and said look looking the player. And I was like sweet and I went down, did one session and they signed me. But um that's how that that's how it sort of came about.
0: hmm And then what about your, your two appearances for and then? What can you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, so uh it was quite Balmine was quite frustrating. Um I made my debut in November or October against Clinton uh, against Carrick at home. I only played like five minutes. Um but I came on, we scored. We got the actually I came on, scored. No, I didn't score, but I set it up. Um and then it got disallowed. Uh, because I got I got tackled after I, I got like cleaned after I scored. So they brought it back for a free kick. We were like <laughs> we just scored. But um so that went well. Then the next game, I came on for the last twenty minutes because Cliftonville and did really well. Like I played probably the best game I had in a long time, but he just wouldn't play. Like David Jacks wouldn't play me after that. It was really frustrating. We had no strikers. There was a point where we had like literally all our strikers were injured. Andy uh, Andy Burns, uh, Lecky, um, uh, Bushy, all injured. It was just young yeah, young Kenny Kane and I think Leroy is to be middle's players so check at the time and Maisie and you know, Kenny's a good player but Kenny hadn't scored in 12 games you know and he's still starting and I wasn't even getting five ten minutes and I was training really well it was uh, really strong training scoring a lot in training and stuff and obviously did well against Kiptonville, did well against um did well against cliftonville do well against carrick you know did jeffrey took me into his um office said you play really well got a lot of talent you know this and that but just would never play me you know, we were 2-0 down against warren point or 2-1 down against one point i think you know last 10 minutes he put on a center back or something like that it's like <laughs> you've got two you've got you've got three subs you've only made one the whole game you're losing 2-1 last 10 minutes trying to chase a goal and you put on you use one of your subs and it's a centre mid or a centre back whatever it was do you know what I mean it's like and that was like a common theme Linfield I think we were 2-1 down you've got two subs left he uses one and puts on a centre mid and then you've got like a striker you know I'm not, I'm not like I'm, I'm a big I'm a big striker you know I'm strong you know I'm, I can out-muscle pretty much anyone in that league there's a, there's a video of me putting the, uh defender in the dirt you know it's like it's not like I'm not strong enough to compete with the Adels even though I was like 18 or whatever at the time I was pretty much stronger than most of them but um, yeah I'd, I would, I Balmain mean was very frustrating I don't mind talking about it because I don't I don't ever want to go back there you know yeah so
0: then who did you move to after that
1: uh I went to Ards on loan by again, everywhere I went, injuries sort of followed. Um, I was training, and then I hurt my foot in training, and then it was like a few weeks, and did I not David Jeffrey, Brian with called me, and was like, uh, you're going on the hours, and I was like, uh, okay, and yeah, I haven't heard, I haven't, I literally haven't heard, I haven't, it's been a year, over a year and a half now. Over a year now, I still haven't heard anything from Balomina. Like they just went went to went to Ards and then obviously COVID hit. And uh I was the captain maybe from the group chat and I just haven't heard anything since like it was like I was still under contract as well. Just removed from the group chat and I haven't heard anything.
0: Are you still under contract then with Balomina?
1: Oh I I don't see I don't think so no, but you know, it's it's February time. Mm-hmm. And, and I just haven't heard anything. And I was again it was really tough for me because I had to get an operation and I had you know, you're at a club, you expect some support, no new, new support, no messages, no nothing. Just absolutely yeah. nothing. Just you're kicked you're removed from the group chat. Mm-hmm. You're not part of this team anymore.
0: Are you training at all now or?
1: Um at the minute just by myself because our season's void and we can't train because we're not mm-hmm. uh, you know, elite status or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um it'd just be my own training I'd be doing now. The only teams that I training are the Irish league teams. Yeah. Team. So um it'd just be my own training at the minute. I train like three or four times a week. So
0: So what would your what would your plan be for, for next season then? Assuming that uh, COVID is all away and you can get back to training and
1: Yeah, uh next season I'm actually I'm planning to go back to England. So Okay, very good. So I've not given up. I'm just gonna go. I'm getting a few trials for it. Hopefully, um, just sort of gauge where I'm at. Uh, so I'm gonna go try. I'm gonna. It's not gonna be like high level. It's not gonna be at like any uh, youth setups or anything. It mm-hmm. will be like first team, but it'll be like non league. So I'm trying to go to the higher levels of non league, just below conference, north and south,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then. Um, If that goes well, so hopefully stay there. If not, I'll just sort of drop down to whatever level suits me. And then the whole the plan is just to get like a a year of football. You know, I haven't really I haven't had a season of football in a long time. So, and the one time I would get a season of football, you know, COVID and stuff happened. So uh, the plan is just to go and just enjoy enjoy playing again Mm. because I've missed it a lot. I've missed playing, and obviously. Try and, get a, try and make it again, you know?
0: Of course, yeah. I suppose, would there not be anything inside you that would maybe want to try and get a trial for, say, a Larn or a
1: Crusaders or, you know, whatever, you know, it's full-time? Nah. The, the thing about the top four the top four t- uh, teams over here is their squads are huge. You know, unless they're paying money for you, they're not going to play you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Crusaders has a squad of thirty something players, and on a squad of thirty players. Lauren probably has more. Um, so they're they're and they're always obligated over here to. They're always always obligated to play their sign, their contracted players. Mhm. So. Yeah, um, that's it's not really it's not really a feasible option for someone who's trying to sort of break through again, crusaders, things like that. There's no point because they've got money now. They don't, they don't need to take someone in and develop them. Mm-hmm. Do they, they don't have to do that. So you find all those clubs now, unless you're like a regular starter in like maybe like Carrick or something, like in the lower, in the lower left, like half of the table, mm-hmm. you sign for anything, you're not playing. My, yeah. uh, my friend, Harry, came from Oldham. You know. he's playing first team for Oldham. Signed for Crusaders. He, I think he started out a couple of games. That's you know it's like Yeah. He's playing first team for Oldham. He's coming into squad he's barely even playing. It's like it's, it's there's just too many players. There's no point really there's honestly no point unless they're paying much, big money for you. Like they like Field with Shane Lavery, you know, like they did with Jimmy McGonagall, Crusaders doing McGonagall Cliftonville, Paul O'Neill uh Gintour, and then they signed Cricket create Gallagher and things like that like they're they're gonna play them because they've paid money for them and they I don't know how much they get there but they, I assume they get something a decent a decent wage you know so they're obligated to play them and they're they're good players but if you're someone young or someone trying to like break through like I I just wouldn't go there
0: yeah you know? Well, it's good that you've got trials uh, coming up in England and stuff and it, it gives you some of the work for the work to and then also look forward to it as well.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. It's it's just a it's a good opportunity just to go back. It's the thing about England as compared to here is no matter what le- level you're at, there's a there's a lot of ice, you know, they're always looking for the next Jimmy Vardy. hmm Do you know what I mean? No, they're always looking for the next G- Jimmy Vardy. and uh, the next Ollie Watkins, the next you know, the next um what you call them, the center, Ty, Ty, Mings. You know, they're, they're always on the lookout. So you can go to any level over there and you might get picked up by, like, I don't know, Fleetwood or something. So there, um, there's always those sort of um, options playing in the back of your mind. Like, if I go well, no matter what league I go down to, there's still going to be someone watching. Yeah. Um, and because I, I, I'd assume there'd be clubs interested because of my background in football as well, so... Of course. I think it's the best option for me. I, I don't really see myself progressing over here at all. hmm
0: Yeah, so the, the only option then is, is to, to go across the water again?
1: Yeah. I mean, I want, I want to go across anyway because I've... Um, I'm part of the Rio Foundation now, so mm-hmm. that's... Um, that we could do people to work with them and stuff, so
0: yeah, yeah. Well, talk, talk to me about being recently appointed then
1: yeah so um i was doing a i did a thing for a friend of ours he's doing a he's putting a, like a wee documentary about being a black and Northern Irish and what it's like growing up uh in this country from a young age and um he got recently appointed like the head of management over in Ireland so he put me forward as an ambassador a, a youth ambassador, so like the Right Real Foundation is like a it's a foundation that tries to empower young people to make change, you know, in equality and racism, and and you know, provide you know, connections to and to create a more sustainable way of life for youth, and you know, to connect everyone and to empower people, so uh, keep it moving forward, and. Uh, they chose me for Belfast, so I have to put together like workshops. So we put together like a like a youth team, um, doing TED talks, things like that, just to try and sort of make change and implicate a more equal like society for everyone.
0: So, what would your experiences be in Northern Ireland then?
1: Like in terms of racism and things? Yeah. Uh like to be to be honest with really, you. Recent, like the uh, last few years, it has been a lot better. Um, don't really get it as much. I think people are a lot more attuned to it. You know, they're a lot more um cautious of what they say. You know, but like see, when I was younger, it was really bad. Like it was when I was younger. Like it got to a point where any sort of racial slur, or racial threats, like I just sort of had to just deal with it and walk on. You know, couldn't couldn't take them to heart. Mm-hmm. It was just like a constant bombardment of it. So I'd say in the last few years, it's gotten so much better to just to, um, walk around. And even if you go out now, like there's loads of loads of um, different cultures and stuff in this country. I think we just need to uh, explore and accept them, you know, because all of them are such, like, such beautiful cultures, you know?
0: hmm So you mentioned there, our- when you were talking, was that just be from like I said, playing football and then from people on the sidelines or whatever, or, or what was it?
1: Yeah, football sidelines. You know, even your experience institutional. racism of with you know, schools and things like that as well. Um, you know, it's it was it was it was quite bad. You know, sort of everywhere you sort of go, you were sort of getting it. Like my my mom was getting um her blood done and the banger health clinic and some old ones like uh like uh, you should this edward shouldn't be here you know mm-hmm. it's like it was no like no matter where you went you know you could it doesn't matter where you went you you could possibly be subject to it yeah you know?
0: of course i just think with with situations like that you know those sort of people aren't happy in themselves
1: yeah i know it's but again when when you're brought up here because of Especially when you're younger, the the lack of like, that people of like um, different backgrounds and stuff, like you just have to you just have to get on with it.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's you know no no matter where you go, if you're from Northern Ireland, you're going to a different con- country. You know you're going to be culturally different than, than yeah, the yeah exactly. Same coming over here, there there is differences. Like I tell you, that's like one of the things that that I really struggle with. So I went over to Kenya and I lived in Kenya for three months. And nobody, and I mean nobody, could understand my Northern Irish accent. <laughs> Man, it, it was difficult. I had to talk so slowly, had to get translators. The translators didn't understand me. It was, you know, it's one of those things It was hard, like, but you, you get used to Well, when I, when I was over there, I sort of I sort of got used to it and I learned to talk slower and, you know, it's, it's just things like that. You know, it's the
1: yeah. same for going to England. It took my teammates about two years to understand what I said.
0: Yeah, that's
1: that's the broad yeah. one. It's the Belfast broad. <laughs> it's just
0: how it is, you know. Yeah. So, so talk to me. What what sort of documentaries have you got coming up?
1: Uh, so I'm not sure I'm allowed to say too much, but I've got um, one potentially with Lindsay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who they're for, but I'll be on uh, Black and It's called Black and Northern Irish. There's one called Black and Scottish. Very. It'd be very similar to that. Um, And then another similar one with uh, potentially with um, my friend Ross Tharma. His big brother Cameron Mm -hmm. is putting together. He's putting together like a piece to sort of uh, to bring it over to the producers to see if they'll take it.
0: Yeah,
1: that's what we got at the minute. And then I've got a TED talk with Have you heard of TEDx talks on YouTube?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I've got, uh, hopefully got a TED Talk with them to do
0: mm-hmm. soon.
1: Um, and that's really it for now. So they'll, they'll sort of be starting, hopefully, in the next... We'll sort of get confirmations for those over the next few months.
0: I think you might have mentioned it uh, earlier in the podcast, but so see the Rio Ferdinand Foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what is the objective? What is the goal of the foundation?
1: So the goal is really whatever we set it to be, you know... Um, because the foundation the foundation at a whole is looking to improve the improve the quality of life for youth people, you know, um, helping them to get jobs, giving them skills, giving them safe places to communicate and safe places to express themselves, you know, uh promote inequality within youth people, you know, in hope in hope that as they grow older they'll teach their kids, you know, to be um, to, to, to show compassion and um, promote equality within their, their children and things like that, you know. So the, the goals whatever we said it, I'm, I'm looking to I'm looking to sort of like bring together in, in culture, I'm looking to bring together cultures in Northern Ireland and allow them to express themselves in safe environments and for people to experience them, you know. That's what, that's what i'm sort of trying that's what i want to implement i really want i really want people to be able to explore different cultures experience different cultures and accept different cultures mm-hmm. um and and see them for like how beautiful like uh, like these cultures are you know and it's, it's except uh, and not see the stigmas and stereotypes behind them but see what they actually are at, you know at their face value so um yeah, that's what I'm sort of doing. I want I don't wanna talk a lot about your know, mental health and like football and, like what I've gone through.
0: Yeah.
1: I wanna sort of push uh push for like mental health reasons, like uh more awareness around it is what I'm sort of trying to what I'm gonna try and do. I'm trying to get into different parts of you know, there's like Esports is massive now, so trying to raise awareness within you know that category, and then raise awareness in football, raising awareness, awareness you know just um, within communities as well. So that's the sort of goals. Um, I've only just joined, so I'm sort of I'm sort of figuring out these goals myself. Yeah. Um, but you know, speaking to them, you know, they're very very passionate people about like youth. You know, they. they the guy who um, Gary, who's talking to, he, he doesn't even want he, he doesn't. want anything to do with what we're doing. He just wants to. He, he wants it to be led by the youth. Do you know what I
0: mean?
1: So it's it's really uh, it's really just to inspire uh, uh, young people.
0: I think that sounds super. And one of the things that you were mentioning there, you know, about giving a place for young people to talk, and something that's something that you know Northern Ireland definitely needs, and. I could share this one experience from my own life and you know it yourself from living here you know most people in northern ireland are fantastic people they're loving people they're good people but you know you do get minorities that that well the only thing i'd say is there's just a hatred there you know with mm. protestant catholics yeah. whatever whatever it is and and one of the experiences that i had was so me and me and alan would both go to church and at the time i was helping a youth club up at uh I'm trying to remember what it is, what it was called. The big prison in Belfast. Crumlin jail. So I was on the youth club across the road from that. And I remember going to the youth club and and, and coming out. And me me and my partner, Abby, were there. And we looked at her car. And there was a bunch of kids who basically ran away. But Abby's car was destroyed. It kicked the, the wing mirrors off, kicked everything off. And I went over to the garage. And I was like, did you see what happened? And they're like, oh, yeah, there's... There's A group of kids, one of them was bouncing on the top of the roof, and I says, Like, like, why does he not stop them? You know, and they're like, Oh, no, no, they, you know, they're down there fighting with, with the Catholics from the other side. I'm like, What, what is this? Because I, I was me and I'd never really seen anything like that before, and then so a few weeks passes, and I'm driving down, and I seen, I think it was, I'd say, four kids, so it was, say. No, sorry, five. Oh, there were three kids on one side and two kids on the other side. They're about seven, eight years old and they're throwing stones at each other. And I thought, all right, I'll, I'll ring the police here just so the police put a stop to this so none of those kids get hurt because I was like, you know, yeah. a rock to the head, it'll change someone's life. Mm. So I rang the police and says, all right, you just need to sort this. And whatever. Came back an hour later and I drove down the same way because I just wanted to see what, what the scene was like. And there must have been about 40, 50 kids one of the kids had a baseball bat. He was about seven, eight years old. There was kids, 15, 16 year sixteen-year-old girls dressed up to the nines, just watching yeah. like all these wee lads fight. And I'm like, "What is what is going on here?" But apparently, at that time, they're arranging fights from both sides of the community, and people were just turning up.
1: Yeah,
0: and you know that's that's madness. That's that stuff that that shouldn't yeah. be happening at all. But you know yeah. they're learning it from somewhere.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's just passed down. Like, my, my friend, Caelan, Caelan Boydman, he would tell me, like, the stories from Turf, like, he lives in Turf Lodge in West Belfast and, like, some of the stories he was telling, like, it's just crazy and I remember, actually, because I drove past Turf Lodge a few times, you do the balls in the falls is
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you go there at night, you'll see, like, kids from glass bottles from, like, across the road at each other. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 like, it's crazy. It's, like, like where are your parents, you know, it's twelve o'clock at night, and you're throwing glass bottles at people that you don't have any hatred towards, except for the fact that you've been told that they're Catholic. Mm-hmm. Do you mean? And if you even, and even if you ask any of them if they're Catholic or Protestant, they'll be like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Well, do you even, do you even believe in your religion?" And they're like, "No." Yeah, it's
0: more just. It's more just. I it's, mean, just it's just an excuse.
1: Little... You know, it's just an excuse. Really, at this point, you know it's like, do you even practice your faith? No, then you're not really Catholic or Protestant. You know, you're, you're just people at the end of the day. Yeah. you pick fights with each other for no particular reason, you know. And a lot of these fights are really affecting, they really have, they have adverse effects on people in their lives, do you know what I mean? I
0: think it's just complete craziness. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it, and almost when you hear stories like that, you're not like, I've never seen that in Northern Ireland before, but like, when you're actually driving past it and, and you're seeing it like I will tell you something I, I went to a school and the school was a wee bit rough around the edges and I, I love the school, the teachers were fantastic. Everyone inside the school was fantastic, but I remember there was there was a rat or something happening as, as it is during those sort of months and one of the kids shouted, Let's go the rat and ran out of the school doors. And I'm like, this just isn't real. Yeah. That's just like a war zone. Yeah. <laughs> you crazy. know it's mad you know, I, I think what you what you are doing and your organization is doing is fantastic and you will know, we'll probably need more people with that sort of vision to sort of show you that you know that, that, that's not the way to behave, you know, there's better options out there. Yeah. They're fighting battles that I think no longer matter in yeah. my opinion. Or ever matter You know, that's 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 craziness. It's it is true. But you sound like you're doing an absolute fantastic work and I wish you every success in it. Um, um, I'm going to listen to your Facebook, see, see what's happening. You'll have to keep everybody up to date with, with yeah. England and yeah, I wish yeah. you every success.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Not a problem. Thank you very much.